Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. The scripture for today comes from Psalm chapter 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And now for episode 27, Armed and Dangerous. Hi, my name is Josiah Haven. I am from the great state of Texas. I live in the great state of Spring Branch, and it is an honor and a privilege to be speaking to you on the Testimony Podcast. But just as a brief little overview, I was born at one pound, six ounces, literally one pound, six ounces. I could fit in the palm of my dad's hand. My head was to his fingertips. My feet were at the base of his palm. The doctors gave me zero percent chance of survival. They said that even if I did survive, even if by some miracle I did survive, I would be a vegetable for the rest of my life. They told my parents, you know, you need to be prepared for the possibility of taking care of your son for the most basic of necessities, feeding him, clothing him, you know, taking him to the bathroom. He wouldn't be able to do any of that on his own. Um, I had four major surgeries in the first four months of my life. I was on a breathing tube. I was in the intensive care unit. I was on all a bunch of steroids, a bunch of medication. It was not good. My family's faith was tested. My parents' faith was tested. But I persevered. Um, I not only survived... But I beat every odd that the doctor said I would. And so I went home after the first four months of my life being spent in the hospital. They were able to send me home, praise God. And then at the age of two, I could only walk with assistance. And so my parents were concerned. And so they took me in to get tested and diagnosed and things of that nature. And after a bunch of tests were run, it was determined that I had cerebral palsy. And for those of you guys who don't know, a brief layman's overview, if you will, of cerebral palsy. Uh, cerebral palsy affects the cerebellum portion of the brain, basically where all your uh, motor functions, your hand-eye coordination, your ability to balance, your cognitive function. I forgot to mention in the first portion of my testimony that I had a grade four hemorrhage in my brain, which is the highest and most severe grade. That severely affected my cognitive ability as it comes to math. And so that compounded with the cerebral palsy diagnosis set off a whole bunch of stuff. I had to go into physical, speech, and writing therapy for about 10 years. I had a bunch of minor surgeries, but at the age of six, the doctors were forced to give me a spinal rhizotomy, which they literally cut my spine open, and they had to singe several nerves because they weren't connecting as they should. And that left me with a 10-inch scar and... I literally had to learn how to walk again. Uh, the recovery period was long, long and brutal. One of the most brutal recovery periods and surgeries of my entire life. But through it all, my parents and my family, they persevered. Their faith and their reliance on God only grew stronger through what I went through. And I was preparing for this podcast, and I didn't know this, but my mom told me, 
that my great-grandparents, who I was blessed to know for the first eight, nine years of my life, my great-grandfather was actually not saved until I went through what I went through. And it was my testimony and um, the story of my birth and subsequent surgeries and stuff like that, that actually caused him to get his life right with God and caused him to find Jesus Christ. He quit drinking and he just became an on-fire, godly example that I continue to uphold to this day. And uh, my great-grandmother, let me let me talk about her for a minute. Let me brag on her. Through it all, she never lost hope. She was the anchor point. She was the matriarch of the family during that time. And she held everybody together. My mom and dad were freaking out. My grandparents were freaking out. But my great-grandmother, Eva Martinez, she held her head high. And she stood firm on the promises of God that said, he will live and not die. He will declare the words of the Lord. And I credit her, and she is one of my heroes in the faith. And I credit my strong faith in large part to her and her lineage. During this time, I have to give a large portion of the credit to uh, my church family and my church leadership. So it's my bishop, uh, Bishop Carlton Peterson, uh, Bishop Gary Oliver. That foundation is what shored my family up, what has uh, shored me up throughout all the challenges that I've had to face. In school, I was generally well-liked, but I was bullied sometimes because of my challenges, because of the way I walked, uh, and because I had to use a walker to get around, really kind of set me back. Because I'm, I'm a people person. I like people. So I had to come to terms with the fact that not everybody's going to like you. People are going to persecute you and bombard you with hatred just because uh, you're, you're different. But I persevered because of the foundation to going back to, again, my spiritual lineage. Because even though technically I'm a millennial, <laughs> I, was born in, I was born in 95, my spiritual faith and my spiritual foundation is not that. I grew up around patriarchs. So, you know, so much happened from literally your birth, from being born at, you know, one pound, six ounces and zero percent chance of survival. So I know a lot of that stuff early on was in a way it is your testimony, but in a way it was kind of more, you know, affecting like your parents faith and how they struggled and battled with that. So well, the, yes. question, the question is, I guess, when did you give your life to God at what age and then what age did that faith that they had actually become your own personal faith and walk with Jesus? So it was on a Sunday night. I was six years old and my bishop was preaching and, you know, he, he was going in like the people were going crazy, bucking, shouting, all that. <laughs> you know how we do. And I was on the front row. I remember just sitting there and just feeling convicted. The conviction of the Holy Ghost came upon me. And the next thing I know, I, I bolt up to the altar and I'm laying flat out at the age of six with my cheek pressed on the second step of the stage. And the memory that is burned into my mind with tears rolling down my face, I'm, face, I'm soaking the carpet. That's how much I'm crying because I'm, I'm literally pouring out to God saying, God, I need you. Come save me. Come cleanse me. And my great grandmother was there that night. So I specifically remember her coming up behind me and just laying her hand on my back. Her and I stayed there for about 45 minutes to an hour. And when I got up off the ground, I was like a completely different person. My name means reformer. 
I'm named after King Josiah in the Bible. And then Nathaniel means fire of the Lord. That's my middle name. But it was not until that moment that that fire was ignited in me, you know, that that was it was that moment that the fire of the Lord and the fire of the Holy Ghost and my passion for ministry. That, that's what happens with ministry kids. You know, we, we, we grew up we grew up in church. So I've always had a fascination and an appreciation for ministry. But it was not until my conversion experience when I actually became a son of God that the fire of the Lord and my passion for ministry, my passion for telling my testimony, excuse me, really came forth. Yeah, I love that story. It really does, you know, highlight the power of the Holy Spirit because, I mean, man, six years old, you know, sometimes I wonder, like I have a five-year-old goddaughter that lives with me. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, how much they can comprehend. And obviously it's a little bit weird now because church is all online now, but, um, you know, you're sitting there, like how much are they taking in, you know, consciously, subconsciously, you know, by the Holy Spirit. But yeah, I love that story, man. Like, yeah, the Holy Spirit will come and get you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. But you can try to run, you can try, but he, he will come grab you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's interesting. You said that about young people. And how much they're taking in, because it was different for me. It's like I like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a millennial, but my spiritual lineage and my spiritual upbringing is not millennial by any means. I grew up with men of God that pioneered movements like the Azusa Street Revival, the modern Azusa Street Revival, um, the Apostolic Reformation of the '90s and early thousands. That's where I came from. So I had the benefit of being surrounded by those men of God every day. Now, it's like, especially with online church, the onus now is on the parents, you know what I mean, and the household. And it really comes down to your relationship with God as a parent, you know what I mean? How strong is your relationship with God? Because now you don't have that fail-safe, if you will, of traditional, quote-unquote, church as you and I know it. You know what I mean? Church is changing. The idea of church is changing. And so the, this up and coming generation is seeing that. And if the parents' relationship is not as strong with God as it should be, they're in danger of part of my bluntness being lost. Because there is so much, there like there are so many distractions nowadays pulling at them. Social media, YouTube, phones. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're being inundated and they're being taken in by so much nowadays, the voice of the church and the voice of God and the voice of their parents in their lives is being buried underneath that. And so I firmly believe that we have to be on guard against that and we have to prep for that. And the Bible says you got to work out your own salvation. But when the kids are young like that, the parents have to work out their kids. Right. Like, <laughs> no. So I firmly believe that needs to happen. Yeah, definitely. See, so I'm going back to my love for ministry. At the age of 14, I started getting fascinated with the keys and the Hammond B3 organ. And to make a long story short, I, I didn't know my dad was recording me. And so he posted on Facebook. Next thing I know, I have Sitsi Lions. <laughs> and then Bishop calls my dad up and says, have him ready to play for that Sunday. <laughs> he's, 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 he's my organist now. Uh, I was on my church's worship team as the organist and music director for close to eight years. In 2015, 
that's when everything kind of, you know, changed. But at, at this at this point, I'm grooving along. You know, life is good. I've adjusted well to all my challenges. Uh, the spinal rhizotomy, eye surgeries, all that, they're way behind me. I'm getting ready to start college. And I go up to Dallas for freshman orientation. All is good. All is well. And as we're driving back, I begin to feel this discomfort in my stomach. And so I thought, you know, just flu or cold, you know, nothing major. So I just thought I'm just going to write it out and uh, we'll see what we can see. So Friday and Saturday comes along and it's getting worse. It hasn't gotten better. Um, I'm not able to keep anything down. Uh, I'm throwing up. But I still think it's like the flu and stuff like that. My parents do, too. And so they're like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Just just, you know, drink some Gatorade, you know, rest, um, stay home from church today. And I hate I hate staying home from church. This this whole pandemic nonsense is like the longest I've stayed away from church. And my sister, who they left to take care of me, she's like, what's your problem, dude? I mean, get yourself together. Uh, but I'm like, no, something's seriously wrong. When my parents get home, I had tried to go to the bathroom and I couldn't even walk. So I, I didn't even make it to the bathroom. I like collapsed and I'm like in, in a corner of the living room, basically curled up in a ball, just sobbing my eyes out because of the pain. So they take me to the emergency room to make a long story short. I spent 13 days in the emergency room, just wasting away on a hospital bed. My stomach at this point, is swollen to the size of a basketball. I'm severely dehydrated, hungry. I can only keep ice chips down. Like, I can't even drink water. The doctors performed two inconclusive uh, scans, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. My white blood cell count was fluctuating. My fever was going up and down. It was not looking good. Finally, the decision was made to perform an exploratory abdominal surgery. This would make my 10th surgery. And just to be completely vulnerable with you for a minute, when I heard that, I broke down crying. It takes a lot to get me to cry. It really does. But when I heard that I had to go through surgery again, and this and this is not a minor surgery. They literally cut me open and like took everything out, cleaned it, washed it, and put everything back in there and sewed me up. And I still haven't fully recovered from that, honestly. You know, like, God, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I'm 21 years old after everything I've gone through, you know, being born at one pound, six ounces, 0% chance of survival, defying all of that, you know, isn't that testimony enough? Isn't that a testament to your goodness enough? Haven't I done my part to give you glory enough? But I heard him clear as day. I heard him clear as day. And this is like one of the only times that I can say with certainty that I've heard him in my mind clear. Most of the times when God speaks to me, I get impressions. You know, this this time I like really, really, he shouted in my spirit. He said, son, don't allow your present circumstance to affect your current praise. Praise me through this. You've always been a praiser. You've always been a worshiper. Because just to backtrack a little bit, how I got through all of my surgeries and then all of the therapy and all of that, is praise and worship. It says in the Bible that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so I had to do the same thing. I had to, I had to remind myself that I'm not going to let no rock praise for me. 
See, I want to preach now. <laughs> I'm going to stand firm on the promises of God. And this here is not going to keep me down. I'm going to get through this. Like the great prophet, Corey Mickey says, <laughs> I'm going to make it. And this is going to be my season to live. So I had to remind myself that this is not going to keep me down. So to make a long story short, they will, I know I said that this turned out to be a long story. <laughs> they did the surgery and everything. And it was a two year recovery period. This was the longest recovery period of any surgery that I've had. I basically had to relearn everything, but through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And I and I've still haven't lost my praise. The, the enemy and life tried to knock me down with that surgery and with that trial. But I'm still here. I'm still standing. And I just want to take a minute to whoever's listening to this, wherever you're going through, I encourage you, keep your praise. Keep your worship. Don't let whatever you're going through define you. Put your boots on, you know, put yourself together and get a bulldog determination that says, I'm going to make it through this. No matter what, come hell or high water, I'm going to make it through this because I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I totally I totally preached right there and I'm so sorry. No, man, you're good. You're good. I love how you talked about praising your way through. So for the listeners out there who, you know, are going through something, uh, you know, how would you encourage them to just keep going? Because it seems like to even get the effort or the mo- the motivation to even praise, it seems like you're just kind of stuck in this mental space. So how do you even get out of that to say, okay, now I can praise? It Exactly. And that's, of the enemy's tactics and the enemy's games is meant. Mm -hmm. The bind is a battlefield. That is Satan's only free playground. That's his only area of attack. So if you get your mind right, the Bible says, take every thought captive and subject it to the mind of Christ that is within you. You know, so it's all, it's all a mind game. If you get your mind right, that says, you know, I know what it seems like. I know what it looks like. I know what even I may feel, but I'm not going to let this right here defeat me. I'm not going to let my mind defeat me. If your mind gets in line with your spirit, every time you wake up, whoever's listening to this, hear me carefully. Every time you wake up, from the moment you wake up, you have to say in your mind, you are subject to me. I control you. I subject you to the mind of Christ that is within me. You don't control me. And every devil, demon, principality, stronghold that would seek to control me and control my outlook on this day, I bind you in the name of Jesus. So it all starts from that very first moment when you rise, because that will frame the rest of your day and the rest of your week. And so I encourage you, start your day off with worship music. That's what I do. Even when I'm feeling like crap, excuse my language. Even when I'm feeling like, you know, I don't want to do anything today. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to lay in bed, be lazy. (laughs) Satan, you win today, you know. And especially, see, the the enemy was smart with this whole COVID nonsense. He was smart. 
because 2019, see, you could probably, you could probably confirm this 2019, every preacher that was preaching New Year's Eve messages was like, this is your year. Yep. This is my <laughs> year, the year of vision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so this, so the enemy was smart scheduling this whole pandemic thing in this year because it threw everybody for a loop. Mm-hmm. If you don't have your mental faculties and your spirit in line with your mind, especially in the season that we're living in right now, it's not going to be good. So I encourage you as a, as a practical point to get your mind in line with your spirit. Listen to worship music. Start your day off with worship and praise music. You know, put on some, you know, Hillsong worship or Bethel music or Elevation or whatever gets, or Kurt Carr or Fred Hammond. (laughs) (laughs) Mix it up, yeah. Whatever gets your mind right, whatever gets your mind on him Mm -hmm. and not on the circumstances surrounding you, I encourage you to do that. And that's practical advice that I would give to somebody who says, you know, I don't feel like praising God, you know. My mind is just all cluttered. It's a cycle. That's that's practical advice that I would give them. Is just just start your day off with worship and meditation music. Because if you start your day off like that, I guarantee you the rest of your day, the rest of your week is going to be the best week. Exactly. I start my mornings like that too. And even if you, you know, turn on the music and you don't feel it in the moment, by the time oh. you finish, you'll you'll feel it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, man, totally. That's totally a great practical piece of advice. Just turn oh, it on and let God do the rest. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Because, because praise, praise is not conditioned. See, see, Lord. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> praise. Okay, don't do that. You're going to preach more. <laughs> praise is not feelings-based. See, a lot, see a, lot, a lot of preachers, they get so caught up in hyping you up, saying, you know, I dare you to praise them. I dare you to take 30 seconds, lift your hands. Mm-hmm. But... When you have a real praise, when you have a real idea and a real perspective of how good God has been and and your perspective is right, all you need is that memory. You don't need to feel it to praise him. Mm -hmm. You don't need to feel it to worship him. Even when like throughout my day, the enemy tries to come in, he he seeks opportunities. The enemy crawls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's sly like that. That old snake is sly like that. Mm -hmm. And at the academy, when I'm working, I don't have praise and worship music. I don't have the failsafe of music. See, another thing is praise and worship is not based on music. Music is supposed to accompany praise and worship, but it's not supposed to be the driving force. The driving force is God's been too good to me. The driving force is he is Alpha. He is Omega. He is beginning and the end. The driving force is, I never would have made it. Never would have made it. <laughs> See, Marvin Sapp. Yes, sir. <laughs> the driving force is, I never would have made it without him. Mm-hmm. So in those times when I don't have, you know, the failsafe of music, I have to encourage myself again, encourage myself in the Lord and give myself strength. The enemy will come in. To, if he can't get you in the morning, he will try to get you in the afternoon. If he can't get you in the afternoon, he'll try to get you in the evening. But you have to, even if you don't have any accompanying music or whatever, you have to say within yourself, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not going to give you an inch. Because if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. There's no space to rent here. 
this year, my mind, my spirit belongs completely to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how you were talking about praise not being conditional, uh, what would you say to someone who feels like, who just really doesn't understand how God can just allow all these bad things to happen? Like, you know, we know that God is good because he's God and he's good. <laughs> but like yeah. in the practical day-to-day of life, when it just seems like, you know, you're just so overwhelmed and all these things are, you know, on top of you. Sometimes the last thing someone wants to hear is, you know, praise your way through. It can be the truth and it can be the right thing. But how, what would you say to someone like that? Philosophers have grappled with that question for hundreds of years. And all I can give you is my own experience. And I can honestly say that there have been times when I have been feeling overwhelmed. My um, appendicitis experience was one of them. By the way, just to backtrack a little bit, when they cut me open, they found that my appendix had actually burst and was leaking septic fluid and causing my intestines to knot up. And that was causing all the swelling in my stomach. And so that was a pretty overwhelming thing. I honestly could not tell you in that moment that God was good. I honestly could not tell you in that moment to praise your way through. I honestly could not tell you in that moment that everything is going to be all right. So what I had to do in that moment, listener, is I had to reach back. I had to pull on the bridges that he brought me over. Thank you, Jesus. I I had to pull on the bridges that he brought me over. And I had to really cling to the memory of deliverance. Oh, that's a good sermon title. I had to cling to the memory of my testimony. You know what I mean? I had to remember the times when I was given a 0% chance of survival. I had to remember the times when my parents and my family didn't think I was going to make it. I had to remember the many, 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 many prayers that my mom had prayed over me, my dad had prayed over me, my church family had prayed over me. I had to remember all of that stuff. Sometimes all you have is a memory. See, Lord, I want to preach so bad. All you have is a memory sometimes. Listen to me carefully. If you just hold on to that memory, if you just reach back, I know it can be painful sometimes. Because sometimes we have to dig through a lot of pain to get to the treasure. Sometimes we have only one good moment in a history of, you know, bad moments. But I I guarantee you, if you dig through all of that and you pull on the bridge that brought you over, even if it's just one, you can just have one. I have multiple. Some of us only some, some of us only have one. And that bridge might not even be a bridge. It might not even be, it might just be a rope. You know what I mean? If you would just pull on that memory of God seeing you through, I guarantee you, you will make it. Because look, if you just pull on that memory and say, God, I have nothing left. I can't go on. I have no energy. So I give this to you based on my prior experience, based on my history. I step out of the way. And based on what I know you can do, I leave it in your hands. I cling to your hand, God's unchanging hand. And so if you just do that, my friend, I guarantee you that you will find the strength to carry on. You might have to do it more than once. 
It might have to be a daily practice with you because the mind, us as human beings, is very fickle. You know what I mean? Because we're flesh. We, we see, the Bible says we see through a mirror dimly. So we have to daily crucify our flesh. And so sometimes you have to do that. But even if it's daily, I promise you, if you make a habit and you make it a part of your lifestyle, just to say when life gets overwhelming, when times get tough, I'm going to look back and see, oh, look, God's brought me through that. Oh, look, God's paying my bills this week. Oh, look, God gave me groceries and I didn't think I was going to get groceries. Oh, look, God made a way when there seemed to be no way. I guarantee you, if you do that, you will find the strength to carry on. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. We will be back next Wednesday. But in the meantime, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Testimony Service Pod. And as always, here is a sneak peek of next week's episode. The thing about me growing up in a Christian and having a, a mom that was Christian, I know now I always had someone to run to. That person I had to run to was God. 